It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Uh, two months ago, I was asked by a Milwaukee reporter whether I'd been vaccinated, and I said no, because I've had COVID. Uh, I think that probably gives me, yep. based on what I've read, probably a strong immunity as somebody who's been vaccinated. So this is a point in time where we did have enough vaccines to go around, so I said I'll let somebody else go before me. And, you know, I'll, you know kind of reconsider it later on. Of course, I was immediately labeled an anti-vaxxer. I was attacked, and all of a sudden became an issue. Uh, I, I did get in contact with Dr. Nor Chasm, you've had him on his show. He's very concerned about indiscriminate vaccination, uh, really focusing on vac vaccinating people based on medical necessity. And he's, he's also concerned yes. about people that have been previously infected. Uh, you might have some more complications. So, you know, he actually suggested I take a, a, a antibody test, which I took last week, found out that my antibody levels as high as his after his two uh, doses of Moderna. So he's actually for vaccines as well. And so now I've decided, at least for the time being, I'm not going to get vaccinated. And I'll, I'll reconsider this uh, later on. But again, th this should not be a controversial issue. Now, I'm, I'm the champion of right to try legislation. Uh, but th the corollary of that is right. is right to choose as well. And we shouldn't be shaming or pressuring uh, or mandating anybody get this vaccine. As, as we say, we have more than enough vaccine to go around right now. And, you know, people ought to respect other people's freedom and liberty and their ability to choose whether or not to get vaccinated or not. Why are they pushing this on everybody? I am concerned now about them trying to push it onto children. Let's face it, they aren't in a position of informed consent. Uh, we do need to recognize right. that this is not a fully approved vaccine. It's gone through phase one. It appears to be very safe in the early trials, very effective. But it, yes. you know, we're still undergoing this, the, the phase two and three. So we need to be honest. I think my role as a United States Senator is not to encourage or discourage people taking vaccine, but to be trans make sure the government is transparent and that people have all the information. I know you've come under a great deal of attack of just pointing out the VAERS system. You know, the early warning system on vaccines, we have over 3,000 deaths that have occurred within the first 30 days of, of being vaccinated. And, and 45% of those occur on days zero, one, or two. Uh, listen, I, I'm not saying that's the, the vaccines that cause those deaths, but what I am saying is that is something that we should seriously consider and we should investigate that further. And unfortunately, I think CDC's just kind of blown that off. Yes, I do too. And so that's Senator Ron Johnson. He was on with Tucker Carlson last night. Uh, Senator Johnson will be joining us next Monday, by the way, for an extended conversation. He's become, you know, he's one of my other heroes. We do have some heroes serving in Washington. We do. There's just so few of them, and they need our support and our prayers. Uh, but he's talking about common sense on the vaccines. And I have to say, uh, just to make clear, that I have, I'm very skeptical. I'm not taking the vaccine unless I have to, uh, to see my children. I think I've been very clear about that. I'm, I'm not taking it for all the reasons that Senator Johnson mentioned, and, and yet— on the other hand, I don't want it to be uh, misconstrued that I'm telling people not to take it because I'm not, I don't have that kind of authority or knowledge. It's just from all the things that I'm reading and seeing, I'm saying, no, 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 not yet. No, uh-uh, no, no, not yet. And I have to tell you, why would I say that? Well, let me just give you an example. This morning, uh, well, I've had this a few days, but um, I want to tell you about an article, and it's titled... 57 top scientists and doctors release shocking study on COVID vaccines and demand immediate stop to all vaccines. Now, this is kind of a medical paper, and so I tried to read through it, but I can't even read it to you because it has uh, terms that I don't comprehend and I can't explain it. But basically, they are saying uh, that there are too many adverse effects that have happened. The study was way too limited. They talk about the fact that the elderly were not tested in the study. The limited study. It's a short study. This is not, this is an experimental vaccine, as I've said over and over again. Uh, people that were unhealthy 
were not vaccinated in this study. Children were not vaccinated. Uh, people, women that were pregnant were not put in this study. And so uh, people who have had COVID and recovered were not in this study, uh, the initial study on these vaccines. And so these scientists, for the reasons that they write about in their papers about uh, some of the adverse effects that they've seen on other attempts to develop a vaccine uh, from COVID, uh, they said that there's reasons why there was never a vaccine before this, and so they're demanding an immediate stop to all vaccinations. We will put that article on our Facebook page, and any of you, uh, I, I, I just suggest that you read that before you're thinking about taking the vaccine. And I'm with Senator Johnson. Don't let people shame you about not taking it. It's like I'm not. It's nobody's business. You know, I, I, if there's a vaccine, I've taken vaccines recently for, for uh, shingles. If there's a vaccine that's proven and it's important, I was vaccinated as a child. There's nothing wrong with vaccinations, but this particular one is still experimental, and we have to be careful. And we have, by the way, medications. That's part of what those 57 uh, researchers say. We have medications that are very effective uh, to treat uh, COVID patients. And, and uh, for some reason, doctors in this country, I think it's political reasons, are refusing to treat people properly, refusing to prescribe these medications. It's shocking to me. Uh, I've seen it firsthand with my own eyes. Uh, and right away, Pfizer is pushing to authorize, and they've just received it. The FDA has just reauthorized uh, them to uh, include teenagers age 12 to 15. Well, don't you feel better now? No, I don't feel better at all. We don't know how these kids will do with this. I don't feel better about it at all. I'm just kind of angry. And, and the, the whole breadth of what I'm going to talk to you about in this first segment this morning, I have a ton uh, to tell you. It's all important stuff. And I think the bottom line is we have been deceived. We have been deceived. We have been deceived. And I'm not saying on everything, because how would I know? Except because there is so much deception, then why would we trust anything? That's kind of where I am on this. And so um, you have to know that Dr. Fauci, you know, has been saying a number of things. I have a ton of clips from him that I haven't even played. And I've been criticizing him for months because he's creepy to me. I don't trust him. He smirks. He seems to enjoy the limelight. I just, I just, it's an intuitive thing. It's a judgment that I'm making based on his affect. But yesterday... He was with Senator Rand Paul in a committee hearing, and you know what? There was no smirk on his face. I want you to hear just a little bit of the exchange, and then I want to explain it to you further. This is clip five. Gain-of-function research, as you know, is juicing up naturally occurring animal viruses to infect humans. To arrive at the truth, the U.S. government should admit that the Wuhan Virology Institute was experimenting to enhance the coronavirus's ability to infect humans. Juicing up super viruses is not new. Scientists in the U.S. have long known how to mutate animal viruses to infect humans. For years, Dr. Ralph Barrick, a virologist in the U.S., has been collaborating with Dr. Shi Zengli of the Wuhan Virology Institute, sharing his discoveries about how to create super viruses. This gain-of-function research has been funded by the NIH. The collaboration between the U.S., and the Wuhan Virology Institute continues. Doctors Barrick and Xi worked together to insert bat virus spike protein into the backbone of the deadly SARS virus, and then used this man-made supervirus to infect human airway cells. Think about that for a moment. The SARS virus had a 15% mortality. We're fighting a pandemic that has about a 1% mortality. Can you imagine if a SARS virus that's been juiced up and had viral proteins added to it, to the spike protein, if that were released accidentally? Dr. Fauci, do you still support funding of the NIH funding of the lab in Wuhan? Senator Paul, with all due respect, you are entire, entirely and completely incorrect that the NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute Do they fund Dr. Barrick? We do not fund... Do you fund gain, Dr. Barrick's gain-of-function research? Dr. Barrett does not doing gain-of-function research, and if it is, it's according to the guidelines, and it is being conducted in North... Carolina. 
China. You don't think inserting a bat virus spike protein that he got from the Wuhan Institute into the SARS virus is gain of function? That is not the minority because at least 200 scientists have signed a statement from the Cambridge Working Group saying that it is gain of function. Well, it is not. All right. Well, that's just a little bit of that. I want to play the whole thing for you. In fact, let's put the whole thing on our Facebook page because I'd like to hear that. Like you to hear the exchange. Now, here's the bottom line. The bottom line is complicated. So stay with me, okay? There's this article written by Nicholas Wade, a former, well, former maybe current New York Times writer. Uh, this happens to be published in Medium. Medium, and we're going to put this on our Facebook page too because you should read this. Origin of COVID. Following the clues. And what did he find when he followed the clues? You may know, because you may have seen it in the news, I hope, uh, that the experts are saying now the virus did come from the Wuhan labs, not from bats, but from the lab itself. So what they were doing in the lab was this so-called gain of function, where they mutate viruses, uh, they, they use these other kinds of animals to try to blend and create super viruses to infect humans. Now, why would they do that? I guess you would say they do it to so they can learn more knowledge, gain more knowledge about how viruses work. But in the process of that, people in the lab were the first to get sick. The people in the lab were very concerned about it. The thing spread. There are 3 million people, according to the numbers, 3 million people who have died worldwide from this virus that sprung from that lab. And why is Dr. Fauci so nervous? Because, let me read from this report, by uh, Nicholas Wade. From June 2014 to May 2019, Dr. Daszak's Health Alliance had a grant from the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, that's Dr. Fauci's group, part of the National Institutes of Health, to do gain-of-function research with coronaviruses at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Um, And then it goes on to say the responsibility of the NIAID and the NIH is even more acute because for the first three years of the grant to EcoHealth Alliance, there was a moratorium on funding gain-of-function research. Why didn't the two agencies halt the federal funding as apparently required to do so by law? Because someone wrote a loophole into the moratorium. And he speculates, maybe more than speculates, that it was in fact Dr. Anthony Fauci and or the director of the NIH, Dr. Francis Collins, or maybe both, that they bypassed it and continued the research no matter what. They exploited the loophole, he says, to issue exemptions to projects subject to the pause, preposterously asserting the exempted research was urgently necessary to protect public health or national security. Uh, Let me go ahead, because then he goes on uh, to to speculate about why they did that. Dr. Daszak, who was in charge at the Wuhan lab, uh, has admitted, I, I don't have time to play this interview, but he admitted what they were doing. And then later, when the COVID um, pandemic broke out, he denied that anything, he said it was ridiculous to claim that it could have happened in the Wuhan lab, and yet he was right in the middle of all of it. Dr. Fauci's been saying it couldn't possibly, it came from bats, because Dr. Fauci, it seems to me, is up to his very big ears in this, this development of this wicked virus that has killed, according to the numbers, 3 million people worldwide. And so um, let me just go to the end of uh, this very long piece by Nicholas Wade. He says, the common sense perception that a pandemic breaking out in Wuhan might have something to do with a Wuhan lab cooking up novel viruses of maximal danger in unsafe conditions could eventually displace the ideological insistence that whatever Trump said can't be true. And then let the reckoning begin. And that's how Nicholas ends his piece. That is why Dr. Fauci was not grinning smugly in that hearing yesterday. Whether anyone will ever hold him accountable for what he has done, I don't know. But let the record show that we have been deceived in so many ways. The man in charge of the COVID response seems to be the man responsible for the pandemic. All right, we're going to talk about elections next. There's a lot of important news this morning. I know that, and a lot of things I'm having to neglect. But these are things I want you to know that you might not hear anyplace else. Stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
Maybe you've heard about MediShare and you know what it is. It's the affordable alternative to health insurance. But you've wondered, can I really save a significant amount of money on my monthly health care bills? And the answer is an emphatic, yes, you can. You can save a lot of money. Whether it's just for you or for an entire family, MediShare has an option for you. In fact, the typical family saves $500 a month switching to MediShare. And it really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. You get free telehealth services. You get a huge network of doctors. You get great customer support. And you get the sense of security that comes from being a part of 400,000 people who share not just each other's medical bills, but purpose, too. MediShare is a community of Christians who pull together and pray for each other, which is very refreshing right now. If you want more info, it's so simple. You can get a price within two minutes. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. They could not take his joy. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and I met 12-year-old Barack when I visited Tanzania, Africa. He is an albino, and if you suffer with albinism, you lack a pigmentation in your skin, hair, and eyes. And in this part of the world where witchcraft is so prominent, witch doctors believe that someone like Barack is an evil spirit that must be destroyed. And so on the way to school one day, they cut off his left arm, took the fingers on his right hand, took his teeth, took his tongue, but they could not take his joy. Why? He is a born-again believer, and even though the father left the home many years ago, the mother Mary endeavored to raise him to know and love Jesus, and together they've learned to forgive through the hope of the gospel those that attacked him. And would you know it, a hundred people have come to Christ, two of those former witch doctors who at one time sought to harm him. Look, we're sending Bibles to Africa. Hope is needed there, and you can be a part of this at only $5 a Bible, $100 since 20. Call 800-YES-WORD. 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 Or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Are you in the midst of your college search? We invite you to explore Liberty University this spring at one of our on-campus events. Spend a few hours exploring campus at Tour LU, dig deeper, and learn more about life at Liberty during Experience OU. Or you can take your next steps towards training for your dream career on a world-class campus by meeting with faculty and department heads and getting your questions answered at DecideLU. Learn more about these visiting opportunities and register today by texting VISIT to the number 49596. Again, that's VISIT to the number 49596. Republican lawmakers are petitioning the Biden administration to allow military veterans to rally in the nation's capital. Rolling Thunder has become something of a Memorial Day tradition in Washington. Tens of thousands of flag-waving patriots rolling through the city to raise awareness about prisoners of war and other veterans' issues. But this year, the Pentagon refused to issue a permit citing the China virus pandemic. Congressman Brian Mast of Florida pointed out the sheer hypocrisy coming from Democrats. Black Lives Matter gets to parade around town all the time without even getting a permit. Unless the president intervenes, a 20-year tradition will come to an end. You know, it seems to me if Black Lives Matter is allowed to clash with police, shut down traffic, and loot businesses, the very least the federal government could do is allow veterans to honor their fallen colleagues on Memorial Day. Be sure to read more about this story and download my free podcast at ToddStearns.com. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. These laws are about one thing and one thing alone, making it harder for Americans to vote. They are reprehensible in my judgment. They are anti-democratic in the judgment of most. And they carry the stench of oppression. In democracy, when you lose an election, you try to persuade more voters to vote for you. You don't try to ban the other side from voting. That's what Orban does. That's what Erdogan does. That's what dictators do. So what are my Republican colleagues in the Senate going to do? These laws carry the stench of oppression the smell of bigotry. Are you going to stamp it out? Or are you going to allow it to be spread? I plead with my Republican colleagues, think twice. I plead with Leader McConnell, think twice. The eyes of history are on all of you. Where are you going to stand? Think twice 
Please, my Republican friends, think twice, Leader McConnell. That reminds me of a weird song that was in the musical Man of La Mancha. It's about a prostitute who's very selfish, and she sings a song called I'm Only Thinking of Him. I'm Only Thinking of Him. And so uh, Senator Schumer is only thinking of you when they are trying to pass the For the People Act, the SR1, because that's what he's talking about in committee yesterday. He's only thinking of freedom and democracy and the right of people to vote. And remember that. When you listen to him talk, Hans von Spakowski joins us this morning. He's a senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, Hans, good morning. <clears throat> good morning. Good morning, Sandy. Um, you know, listening to Chuck Schumer talk, I can tell you, uh, I think he would have been a good editor for Pravda. Remember Pravda? Was oh, yes, I do. <laughs> newspaper of the Soviet Union and the Communist Party, and it was always just one tissue of lies from start to finish throughout the entire edition. And that's that's exactly what happened uh, yesterday because uh, S one, which is the same as HR one, which is the, the big election bill that Schumer was talking about, um, it doesn't keep. It, it would not keep anyone out of the polls except what it would do is give access to the polls to people who want to cheat and to steal elections. Because in essence, it gets rid of every single safety precaution, every single safety rule that states have in place to try to prevent fraud. And this bill would simply wipe them all out. Mm-hmm. We talked about it, actually, I've talked about it a lot, as you can imagine, Hans. Uh, yesterday, we talked with Ken Blackwell about that, and we talked about how this is, like, this is the whole ballgame. If this bill passes, it will change, the left will have their way on everything. There will never be a free election again, from my perspective. And so I'm curious, though, before we talk about uh, what you found in regard to the claim of voter suppression, because that's a very important part piece of this puzzle, uh, what happened in that committee markup yesterday? Do you know? Oh, oh yeah, I've got a long list of the um, amendments that uh, Republicans tried to put in, and it the fact that every single, almost every single one of them failed, tells you everything you need to know about the false claims made by Schumer. I mean, for example, uh, Ted Cruz put forth an amendment uh, that would require uh, individuals to provide proof that they are U.S. citizens to actually register and vote. That's just a basic requirement, one we ought to be doing. That failed. Uh, uh, Democrats voted against it. Um, Another amendment was offered by a Republican that would take out the provision of H.R. 1 that uh, requires states to allow vote harvesting. Boy, you talk about um, the, the claims that Schumer was making. Look, ballot harvesting is when you allow third-party strangers to show up at the the homes of voters to offer to um, deliver their ballots. So that means it puts campaigns, even candidates, in the position of being able to go to people's doors and then threatening and coercing them to vote a particular way and being giving them the ability to handle a ballot means they then are in a position to alter it or change it or perhaps not deliver it if they think the person's going to vote the wrong way. Can you think of any a greater threat to voters than that? And yet, when Republicans tried to take that out of the bill so that states uh, could ban that kind of, of terrible behavior, Democrats voted against it. Uh, Hans, um Briefly, because I, I, I look, I want to sit on this for a minute, but I also want to get to your your piece about the census because it kind of it kind of feeds into the same story. Some people are speculating that SR one will never pass because there is the uh, filibuster. Um, it just isn't going to happen. So I'm wondering what you, Hans von Spakowski, think about that. Oh, we're we're. No one should take that for granted. We are on a knife's edge here. Um, uh, Democrats, on a party-line vote, passed this in the U.S. House. And uh, no one in the Senate is really speaking out against it, at least on the Senate side. Uh, And, yeah, uh, Joe Manchin of West Virginia has said, 
well, I don't think we should end the filibuster, but they're trying to get around that, Schumer and the Democrats are, by saying to him, oh, no, we'll leave the filibuster in place, except for civil rights legislation. So they're trying to give him an out. They're trying to give him an out uh, so that he'll vote for this particular piece of legislation. So we're like, we're in a very dangerous position now of one of the worst bills. Actually, I think it's the worst bill I've ever seen poised to potentially pass in the U.S. Senate. Well, and as I've tried to respond, uh, this is the game changer. This is where they're going to throw everything, everything, every threat possible to Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema if they really do think about holding out. I thought they were going to have to do this through reconciliation somehow, but now I see if they can do civil rights, why well, that is, that's a slam dunk. So, I mean, I mean, we are in danger. And I think that, let me just say again to those of you listening, uh, there are lots of you probably in West Virginia. There are lots of you all over the country listening to the show. You need to call your senator and say, no, no, no to the For the People Act. Don't you dare vote for that. Don't you dare. And that would include certainly your, your Democratic senators. They need to hear from their constituents because they need to know that they are, their seats are in jeopardy uh, if they vote for this bill. Uh, Hans, you just wrote a really interesting piece about um, we just had a census, the 2020 census, can you please remind me, because I just, for whatever reason, couldn't remember, the controversy over the census be- during the Trump administration was what? Well, it was because he wanted to put a citizenship question on uh-huh. the uh, the form that everybody got, and the left just went berserk over that, sued him. He ended up before the Supreme Court. The The question did not get onto the the census form, and so... Uh, that that was essentially the country. Oh, plus, remember, before he left office, Trump ordered the Census Bureau to provide him with what he what they provided him with a population that's used for apportionment, right, to determine how many members of the U.S. House each state has. He told them not to include illegal aliens in that. Joe Biden, one of his first executive orders as soon as he got in, was to reverse that and tell the Census Bureau. Uh, include all aliens, whether they're in the country legally or illegally, in the apportionment population. Why? Well, because that artificially props up the number of members of Congress that states like California, New York, and Illinois have, which have made themselves into sanctuary jurisdictions and do everything they can to attract illegal right. aliens to the state. Yeah. So and so that's been handily. But all right. In spite of that. In spite of that. Uh, the census has shown some very interesting things about our last election, and so please tell us what those things were. Well, remember, the the constant message from the left for years has been voter suppression. All these states are just doing all of these terrible things to make it difficult for people to register to vote, to make it difficult for them to actually vote because of voter ID laws. Well, Sorry, but uh, in the 2020 election census reports, we had the second highest turnout in a presidential election that they've ever recorded. We, we came within a whisker of beating the record in 1992. Turnout was 66.8%. That's astounding. That, <laughs> That's astounding right there. That's astounding. It is. That's three percentage points higher than when Barack Obama ran for office in 2008. Wow. And Voter registration was also uh, at, at, at a record. It was up to 72.7%. And the reason I mention that is because uh, Kristen Clark, who is the radical uh, leftist who's been nominated by Biden to head the Civil Rights Division, she literally said last year prior to the election that states were aggressive, uh, uh, engaging in voter suppression by trying to make it harder for people to register to vote. Well, Voter registration was up to 72.7%, compared to only 70% in 2016 after eight years of the Obama-Biden administration running the U.S. Justice Department and the Civil Rights Division. So things actually were better when Trump was in control than when Democrats previously were in control. And then you go in and you track the various uh, people groups that voted and the percentages, uh, you say, 
well, I'll ju- I'm going to do this quickly because I want to ask you something else. Black Americans turned out at 63% compared to 60% in 2016. Uh, 50, uh, 54% of Hispanics compared to only 50% in 2008. Uh, and you talked about Asians, too. There, there was a, a difference in their turn. So the, the facts just don't bear out that there was any suppression. That's the bottom line. That is that is the bottom line. And, you know, other than my article about this, which was at Fox News, I saw no other articles in any major newspapers talking about these numbers. Well, I haven't either, Hans. The only thing I have found in addition to this, and I, I bet you're aware of this also, American thinker uh, Thomas Lifson wrote a piece talking about how the U.S. census data released showed that Oh, he says, generally speaking, and he tracks it back and makes his point with numbers in past elections, that the census asks people if they voted or not, and that that number generally, in the ballpark, comports with the number of people who actually voted in the election. Uh, And that in this particular, well, do you know about this report? I'll be quiet and let you tell it, if you do. Well, I know the numbers, there's a big discrepancy. And look, the Census Bureau, the Census Bureau always warns ahead of time that Look, they're, they're reporting on what people say, whether they voted or not, not the actual numbers reported by the states. And normally it's pretty close, but this year there's a pretty big gap between them. Uh, Four million votes. Uh, the census yeah. said that people, uh, yeah, 154,628,000 people said they voted in the census. Uh, and the count, according to our official numbers from the 2020 election, was 158 million, which is nearly 4 million votes difference. Well, what does that mean, Hans, do you think? Well, it means that uh, all the investigations that were not carried out and that should have been carried out um, in the lawsuits that were filed in many different states raising all kinds of problems, uh, those investigations should have been done to see if they could have gotten to the bottom of what was happening in those states. But as you know, that wasn't that didn't happen. Uh, judges did everything they could to dismiss those cases on procedural grounds so they wouldn't be faced with with them. I think political cowardice had a lot to do with that. So we don't really know what the explanation is for that. Yeah, well, there are, are you know there are continuing efforts right now in Maricopa County and also in Georgia. By the way, I want to. This is a. I'm. I know that you're very familiar with Georgia, and you may or may not know about this. So forgive me for throwing it by you. But from an outlet that I know is uh, trustworthy, but not common, I read a story about Michael Doherty, uh, who is suing. He ran a medical lab company in Georgia. Right. Uh, he w- uh, because his data was stolen. It's a long story, and I don't have time to tell the whole thing in detail. But let me just say that. Uh, he won his case, and now he has founded this organization called the Justice Society, and he's suing uh, Raffensperger and all kinds of people in Georgia over mishandling of these elections. What, what, are, you, what are your thoughts about this? Because the claim is it could change the Senate race there. Well, I know Mike, and I wish him luck, but uh, I suspect that um, at this point the judges the judges refused to think about this before when other lawsuits were filed in Georgia, and I suspect they're just going to do, they're going to use every procedural trick they can to try to throw his lawsuit out without having to actually investigate any of the uh, claims that he's made. But, you know, uh, Hans, even if they found there was malfeasance or misbehavior or whatever they found in Georgia on the voting, would they re- could it really change a Senate seat at this point? No, it's too late for that. Uh, e- even if they came up with a finding that fraud, for example, to change the outcome of the election, uh, I think it's too late to, to, to redo the election under the laws that apply to election contests in Georgia. Well, it's all very interesting. And uh, the Antrim County uh, vote has come in. There's news about that. So there are people, there are pockets of people all over the country. And I have to tell you, Hans, people are getting so mad. And uh, they are getting really involved in trying to take back their local governances. And that's the, the best we could hope for. And really, that's the, I think, the way we're going to turn this thing around, if it's even possible to do that at this point. We're going to put your article, uh, which is on Fox, Voter Suppression Dims Flat Out Wrong, Census Data Gives Real Story About U.S. Elections. Hans von Spakowski, the author. And uh, Hans, thanks so much for joining us this morning. And we'll talk to you soon. All right, really, Sandy. Thanks for having me. 
My pleasure. All right, Sandy Rios in the morning, coming up with more very interesting stuff, so stay tuned. This is a unique moment in the history of our country where we have an opportunity to restore the foundations of this nation. Tony Perkins of Washington Watch. To a nation that once again honors God. It will not happen unless God's people are informed and engaged. Join Tony Perkins for Washington Watch. Weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evening at 6 Central on American Family Radio. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Sometimes there's a delay between crying out to God in prayer and seeing those prayers answered. It is imperative for us in those times that we don't waver in our confidence in our God. The next verse goes on to say, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. You see, the delay between supplication and delivered answer is one of the ways God develops endurance in us. He desires that the roots of our faith grow down deep, that we become trees planted by rivers of living water, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in His work. In this, we grow beyond superficial Christianity. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Ryan Fisher here with today's Life and Liberty Minute. Rick Warren is perhaps the most famous Southern Baptist pastor in the world. He wrote The Purpose Driven Life. Well, his church just ordained three women to serve as teaching pastors in his church. In doing so, Warren violated the plain teaching of the Word of God. Rick Warren says, hey, we're hip, we're way cool, we're cutting edge, we're ordaining women. But God says, 1 Timothy 2.12, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. While that may not be woke in today's culture, God has not called us to be woke, but to be faithful to the Word of God. God could hardly have been any clearer. When the scriptures are open to a mixed gender audience, the teaching is to be done by men. So, what will it be, church? Rick Warren or God? I know where I come out on that question. How about you? Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Last month, retired French military leaders issued a powerful letter warning their country is in extreme peril. If its government doesn't change course with respect to enemies within and abroad, they forecast France is doomed. Yesterday, more than 120 former American generals and admirals sounded a similar alarm about our republic and the dangers posed by enemies foreign and domestic against whom they all swore an oath to protect the Constitution. Fortunately, they continue to feel bound by it. Specifically, they warned about a Marxist takeover of the United States, evident in the following. Legislation designed to prevent future free and fair elections, dictatorial Biden executive orders, uncontrolled borders, critical race indoctrination, the breakdown of the rule of law, disastrous energy policies, appeasement of China, and the politicization of the U.S. military. Like France, we need an urgent course correction now. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. William Kelly does not like to be the center of attention, but after spending his career with the Norfolk Police Department and moving up through the ranks, he found himself in the national spotlight after a $25 donation. It was a really good career choice for me. For 19 years, William Kelly called the Norfolk Police Department home. It was great. Um, it's a great organization. There's great people. He went from beat cop to a lieutenant in internal affairs. His career ended April 19th. Breaking here in Hampton Roads, a high-ranking Norfolk police officer who... It was unreal. Um, I became a police officer when I was 22 years old. It's all I've ever known. 
and it was a um, life-changing. Kelly was fired for giving money to Kyle Rittenhouse's defense fund. Rittenhouse is accused of killing two Black Lives Matter protesters last year. Kelly's $25 donation was done anonymously through a crowdfunding site. His name surfaced after a data breach. In my mind, I thought it was going to blow away. We have a 24-hour news cycle, and I thought that um, I'd come back to work the next week. Kelly found himself in the national spotlight. His donation accompanied by these words, quote, You've done nothing wrong. Every rank-and-file police officer supports you. It was a simple donation, simple words of encouragement from one person to another. But nothing about this was simple. The Norfolk City Manager called the comments egregious. I thought that my comments weren't egregious. I didn't think that they were um, terrible. I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. Kelly has filed a grievance with the city to get his job back. He's now waiting to have his hearing. Can you understand why someone would take offense to what you wrote? I believe that in America everyone is innocent until, until proven guilty. I think that there is uh, a lot of video evidence that shows a case for self-defense, and I think that he should have his day in court. Good answer. You know, this, this story just really bugs me. I, it makes me furious. You remember Kyle Rittenhouse? He's that young kid. He's, what, 17? I think he was part of his uh, civil patrol or something in school. Uh, he was painting, volunteering painting houses when the death, when Jacob Blake was killed by police uh, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and the riots broke out. And he lived in a nearby, uh, Kenosha's in Wisconsin, but he lived just over the border in Illinois. So he dropped everything and went to help. He went to help because uh, they were burning, remember these car lots? They were t destroying all the cars. They were such right. Kenosha's just a little town. I mean, comparatively, it's not a big city. And so Kyle went, um, and he tr he tried to issue first aid. He was he, there are videos of him all night uh, trying to help in any way that he can. Uh, he has first he knows first aid. He knows firearms, and so um, at one point the rioters uh, recognize who at least that this kid is doing something they don't like. He's not on their side, and they start to pursue him. And there is a great video. It's great. I guess that's an odd choice. There's a very vivid video of him shooting the two Black Lives Matter protesters who come at him to kill him. Uh, you can see it in the video. You can see the violence, and he, is, he shoots them, and they die in self-defense of his, himself. Of course, right away, because of the political climate, he's arrested, and he's, being, he's been held all this time. What That happened, uh, I don't know exactly when that was, last spring. I'm not sure. He's been held ever since. He's just a kid. Uh, and so um, this police officer then gives him $25 and says, let's see, you've done nothing wrong. Every rank-and-file police officer supports you. That's his crime. Another police officer, career officer in Norfolk, Virginia, has been fired. You know, the people of Norfolk, Virginia, should be marching themselves in defense of this officer instead of making him defend himself all alone. But there's so people are cowards. People are cowards. This city manager is the one who said his egregious comments erode the trust between the Norfolk Police Department and those who are sworn to serve. I think his steadfastness in responding to that last question, he could have said, well, I can see why they'd be upset with me and I feel sorry. But he knew he said, I think in America, people have a right to defense and they are innocent until proven guilty. And there seems to be video to show uh, just exactly what happened. So um, so that's what's happened to that police officer. The inequities are breathtaking, and uh, that comes, makes me, brings me to the next inequity. You may have seen, and I think I've mentioned, honestly, I can't remember. I told you I'd seen some videos over the weekend. Perhaps you have two. One of them was in Plano, Texas, where um, their Black Lives Matter protesters took over an intersection and stopped all the cars, and there was a, a big gentleman who got out of his car in a blue shirt. He comes over and tells them to get out, to move, to get out of the way. Uh, the, one of the guys, one of the protesters, has a, uh, a weapon. I'm, and they're not sure. They keep redefining. I think they've said three different times what it is, and we're not sure. And he pushed, he pushed it away with his hand, uh, and uh, the police came. And rather than do anything about the protesters, didn't tell them to get out of the intersection, uh, didn't do whatever you might do with protesters who are interrupting traffic, which they're not allowed to do. It's not legal to do that. Uh, he he tells the man to get back in his car, and now the man from Plano who got out of his car has been charged with some sort of a crime. I don't know what it is. 
somebody, but, but, and none of the protesters, none of the protesters were charged with anything in Plano, Texas. So the, the Texas AG, Ken Paxton, is pretty upset about this. Uh, he announced there will be an investigation after a video shot in Plano appeared to show a police officer allowing Black Lives Matter protesters and apparently armed Antifa-type agitators to block traffic before the officer reprimanded a driver who got out and confronted them. And now the driver is the one who's been charged, and uh, Ken Paxton's not, none too happy about that. Reminds me of uh, Ron DeSantis yesterday uh, giving a warning, or over the weekend giving a warning to Antifa that they better not come to Florida. Better not do that, because you will. there will be trouble. You are not welcome, and you will not do what you've been doing in cities around the country. You won't do it in Florida, so just be warned. Thank God for that, and I'm, Ken Paxton's probably... Uh, you know, in his own way, is stepping up to the plate to do the same thing. And speaking of Black Lives Matter, we have not had a chance to talk about all the problems in Israel right now, uh, the the battle with Hamas, and uh, the you know the the uh, the the bombs that are bombs, missiles, whatever you want to call them, that have been launched into Israel and Israel's retaliation. It's a it's a very dangerous time, and people are saying, rightfully so, that this is a proxy war by Iran. It always is. Iran is pulling the strings in the Middle East, and the Biden administration is pumping Iran up. Yay, Biden administration. They're always on the right team, right? And they always have your best in, uh, your best interests at heart, just like Chuck Schumer. Just only thinking of you, only thinking of you. Well, Black Lives Matter Los Angeles put out a statement. They stand in solidarity with Palestinians in Sheikh Jarrah in the West Bank. We are a movement committed to ending settler colonialization in all forms and will continue to advocate for Palestinian liberation at hashtag Save Sheikh Jarrah. Well, so that was tweeted. So Twitter, you know, took off President Trump because he, of course, is so dangerous, uh, but they didn't take this down. They also didn't take down this tweet by, um, this is by uh, the leader of Hamas who says, the bombing of Tel Aviv and the oil pipeline facility between Ashkelon and Eilat, God is great and glory is to God alone. And he shows a picture of the explosion. And that was on Twitter too. Isn't that interesting? And then Mike Davis points out that um, Ivina Khan, she has 1.2 million followers. I don't know who she is. I don't know. I don't know if she's um, Black Lives Matter. I'm not sure. But this is what she tweeted. Tweeted. She tweeted. She was allowed to tweet. She's still on Twitter because she, of course, is not dangerous. This is what she tweeted. I killed the Jews. She's quoting Hitler. I killed the Jews, but I left a few so that the world could see why I killed them. And that was on Twitter, and that was okay because that's not nearly so bad as Donald Trump's tweets. They're so offensive, those tweets. Uh, Yeah, so think about that. When you're paying the gas prices that you're paying right now and you can't get gasoline at all, and uh, you are watching your country, uh, you know, burn in violence that is not responded to when you watch your police having to stand down, being fired for giving $25 to a, a young man who appears to be innocent. Uh, you think about that because, you know, if if Donald Trump were in office, that probably wouldn't be happening. But you wouldn't have those tweets, those mean tweets. That was just a bridge too far for some of you, those tweets. Uh, You were embarrassed. It wasn't nice. He wasn't being nice. And so he had to go. Uh, That's what Liz Cheney thinks. He has to go because he embarrassed Liz Cheney. So now she is going to be uh, probably replaced this morning as uh, the House GOP, uh, the head of the conference. That's a, I haven't even talked about this very much, and let me just interject that Liz Cheney, I used to know her, I thought she was terrific. Uh, she and her mom came to a CWA event, this was a long time ago, but Liz was just a powerhouse, and I thought she has she has the gifts her father has. She did, and I always liked Dick Cheney uh, in the, in the uh, uh, Bush years, I did. So um, she, though, somehow has gone over to the dark side. I'll tell you what she said in her floor speech before the vote this morning by the Republican conference on whether she should remain as their leader. Uh, She said um, that Trump risks inciting further violence and had misled millions of Americans with disproven claims that the results of the 2020 presidential election were fraudulent. This is not about policy. This is not about partnership. This is about our duty as Americans. Remaining silent and ignoring the lie emboldens the liar. 
I will not participate in that. I will not sit back and watch in silence while others lead our party down a path that abandons the rule of law and joins the former president's crusade to undermine our democracy. I don't know what she's smoking. I don't know how a smart person cannot be seeing what I'm seeing. What's happening in Maricopa County. In fact, I have a story right here. Let me see if I can find it. This is um this is about this is Arizona. I wanted another one. There is one about what's happening. Here it is. Phantom votes have emerged in a 2020 election lawsuit. This one is in uh, Antrim County in uh, Michigan. We've been talking about this, but the attorney now says that they have discovered. This is dated May 7th. New discoveries and filings today. 1,061 phantom ballots discovered in Antrim. Nearly 100% turnout in vote between ages 65 and 80. And 20.3% of all ballots were sent to P.O. boxes. That's why the suit, because Antrim County is small, but they realized that there was something really wrong right after the election, and they've been trying to work this out ever since. But maybe Liz Cheney doesn't know about that, doesn't know about what happened in Maricopa County. I had prepared for you this morning all kinds of testimony from Arizona uh, just to show you uh, the the really fine people who are reporting really awful things, trustworthy people that Liz Cheney should listen to, and yet no, it's a big lie to her. And Donald Trump is the one who should be destroyed. She voted for his impeachment based on him. Uh, th- what happened on January the sixth? She also spent money and time working against members of the Freedom Caucus uh, because she didn't. She she was so upset with them. Um, that's her own people. She's supposed to be leading the conference, and she's trying to get them out of, of office. She's, she's become somebody that I don't recognize. Now, uh, the replacement, uh, uh, Elsie, Elsie Stefanik, did a good job of defending President Trump in the impeachment situation, but she's, she's not conservative. So I'm not crazy about Elsie Stefanik taking Liz Cheney's place, but I still think Liz has to go. I think she has to go. I support removing her because she cannot be the spokesperson for the Republican conference because that's what her job is, to be the spokesperson, the out front person. It can't happen. Uh, and the, we, you can't have uh, Republicans. Well, you know, this is what uh, John Boehner did. This is what Kevin McCarthy has done, too. Work against conservatives in their conference to try to purge them and get them out and undermine them and underfund them and not give them any money to run. Ask Congressman Dave, former Congressman Dave Brad about all of that. This is what they've been doing, and so it, it shouldn't be tolerated. And so this morning the vote will take place. I want to talk about the other side of the coin because this is an important story, too. You remember uh, the woman in New York, I think it's in Long Island, who was doing the podcast, A Beautiful Black Girl. She was doing a podcast in which she was talking about uh, Blank the Police, and uh, she was playing a rap song about uh, from guys who hate police, saying Blank the Police over and over again. Uh, and uh, talking, she said, uh, what happened to fighting? I grew up on fighting. I like to fight. My hands and my feet and teeth. It does something for me. What does it do for you? Blanking people up never stopped being a thing. Shooting people is still whack. It means you can't fight. It means you're a cop. And then she had to blank the police. And then she went out, and uh, there was a policeman actually uh, trying to direct traffic on Long Island after a bad traffic accident. And she evidently aimed her car, either intentionally or accidentally, at this officer and killed him. And so here's the bottom line. In this case, she's been indicted on 13 counts, uh, including homicide. And so um, it's sad. You know, I think of something someone told me one time is that when Satan destroys, uh, he uses people, and the people that he uses to destroy other people end up destroying themselves. And I see this happening in our culture, and I just want to warn people, those of you who even disagree with the truth on this, uh, this is not going to end well for you. You may be having a good time watching some of us struggle right now, but it is not going to end well for you. This is Sandy Rios in the morning. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.